0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, everyone. I hope you're having a great week. Halfway there, halfway to the weekend, halfway to another Pittsburgh Steelers game. I know what you're thinking. Jeff, come on, man. What is there to be excited about? I mean, this team's 2-5. and They just lost a tough game on Sunday Night Football. You might be doubting some of the decisions that are being made. It's okay. It's okay. I'm still excited for this upcoming game. I like to watch the Steelers play football. They could be 0-7. I'm still going to be excited to watch this team play football. That is just who I am. It is just in my DNA. I can't explain it any other way. I'm a fan I call, I I, most would say I'm a diehard fan by based on how much I pay attention and how well I know the team. I just love watching this team play. I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for that. If you're expecting down in the dumps, Jeff, I'm sorry. I just can't give you that. I can't give you that any day, any day of the week, especially on my let's ride podcast. Thank you for joining me. Part of my ride or die crew. We have a lot to talk about today on this show. We've got the latest news. Mike Tomlin spoke to the media on Tuesday. We've got DEFCON levels updated, some changing there, some definite changing there between the offense and the defense. And the one thing I want to talk about today, before we get to the mailbag in the second half, positivity. Yeah, positivity, and I'll, I'll explain all that before we get to the mailbag. Let's start off, though, with something I forgot to talk about on Monday's show. I forgot to mention the contest. Yes, we did the contest. We finished that up on Friday, the homage starter jacket all that stuff, we had a contest winner, Mr. Daniel Bogan, I hope I pronounced that correctly, he uh, had all the answers, and he was the first person to email me, it was funny, I was off of work on Friday, and we were walking as a family, and all of a sudden, I had my phone in my pocket, it's like 12.20, 12.19, I don't know, around there, my phone just starts going boom, 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 it's buzzing all the time. Like, what in the heck is going on? I'm looking at my watch. All of a sudden, these emails start rolling in. It was you all listening to all the podcasts and giving me your entries. So Daniel was the first person to give the correct four. It was actually, he was the first person to email me, and he got them correct. So kudos, in case you're wondering what the answers were. Because I had some people say, what was the question, what was the answer to number four? I didn't look it up. So the first question, which was my question on Let's Ride last Wednesday, was, Who was the punter in the mud game in 2007 where the ball stuck into the turf? And that was Brandon Fields, and he was number two at the time for the Miami Dolphins. Brandon Fields, the punter. The next question was on Dave Stowe, Schofield, stat geek. And this was on the final play of the game against the Dolphins in the snow. Everyone remembers Antonio Brown stepping out of bounds, even just so slightly his foot touching the chalk. What yard line? The answer? The 12-yard line is where Antonio Brown stepped out of bounds. Then, my Let's Ride on Friday, I gave you one more. I said that in 2019, the last time the Dolphins and the Steelers played one another, a, a former Steeler playing for the Dolphins at the time, how many carries and rushing yards? It's an easy one to find out. You just had to look up the box score. One, Kalen Balage had three carries for eight yards against the Steelers in 2019. And the last one, which was Brian Anthony Davis... On his Here We Go, The Steelers Show podcast, the question was that in 1984, the AFC Championship game, Dan Marino had racked up over 400 yards of passing against the Steelers. But he said, what was the record from the Dolphins in terms of yardage in a regular season game? And that would be none other than Steve DeBerg threw for 334 yards against the Steelers in 1993. So those were the answers in case you were curious. It was a really cool contest. Daniel's getting that starter jacket it should be being processed as we speak and then he'll be getting it that's going to be a lot of fun I'm glad it was able to we were able to help someone out you can still buy one of those jackets you might want to get your order in quick though they do sell out fast I know that from my contact at homage he said last time they ran these jackets they were gone in like a week starter gives them just x number of jackets they were gone in about a week so if you're sitting there saying I love one of these jackets and you want to pay the 145 dollars Go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, scroll down on the page, you'll see a link that says BTSC Apparel. Click on that link. It'll take you, you'll see probably the top article in that section. Click on it, all the details right there for you. All right, let's talk about the news. Mike Tomlin, like I said, he met with media every Tuesday, the Tomlin Tuesday uh, press conference. He outlined some injuries coming up. He said that the only main injury was levi wallace from the game we we knew that after the game he talked about that post game a shoulder injury was going to need need to be evaluated didn't sound very optimistic of levi wallace being able to play this sunday he said we'll see but it didn't sound good other than that josh jackson with a groin injury he said he might be limited early in the week he was more op- a, more optimistic i guess you should say uh, about his availability this week, if the Steelers deem him to be necessary, you hope that someone like Akello Witherspoon gets back. And Mike Tomlin did mention that all the players that came off of the concussion protocol—that was Levi Wallace, who now is dealing with a shoulder, uh, Pat Fryermuth and Kenny Pickett—no setbacks. They were good team, good to go. So that was good for all those that were concerned. Then there was this news, and I wrote this article for the website, like I always do every Tuesday. And I had a discussion with Dave Schofield on our Slack channel. There's been a lot of Twitter questions about this. It's about Calvin Austin III. So we all have talked about the 21-day clock, the 21-day window. Whatever you want to call it, it's the same exact thing. It doesn't matter. It's just terminology. And how his 21-day window is closing this week, as in today. I think Wednesday, today, is the day that the Steelers have to choose. Either they activate him to the the 53-man active roster, or he gets put on season-ending injured reserve. There was a a, a quote by Tomlin, and you can listen to Dave Schofield's uh, Mike Tomlin Press Conference Recap Podcast to get the exact quote. But in a nutshell, Tomlin said that he's not expecting him to be activated this week. Now, I took that as, holy cow, they're going to let this guy go on season-ending injured reserve? I just I I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm, I'm messaging Dave like, this isn't right. And he goes, well, what do you expect them to do? I expect them to put him on the roster. If he's not active on game day, that's fine, but I want him to practice. I want him to practice and get acclimated so if they need him later down the season, they can have him in the season. And if they don't, he at least has a year's worth of practice reps and all that good stuff to get him ready for next year. Putting him on IR does nothing for him. Nothing positive. Unless he's hurt. Unless he re-injured his foot in which case Tomlin does not have to report that because he's technically not on the active roster. So unless he re-injured the foot, I want him on the active roster. Now, Dave, looking through his lens, he said that he believes that Tomlin was basically saying he will be activated, but he's not going to be active because he's not ready yet. I hope that's the case. I really do. Because if, if they let this guy, and I don't care, again, If he's inactive every week, when Chris, when Steven Sims, I'm gonna say Chris Sims, when Steven Sims comes back from his hamstring injury, which is hopefully this week, whoever the other returner is, is going to be inactive. So if it's Gunner, he's inactive. If it's Calvin Austin III, he's inactive. So it doesn't matter. I just don't want him on season ending IR. We'll see how that plays out. By the time you're listening to this, it might already be, he might already been promoted to the 53 man roster. We'll see let's talk about defcon the defcon numbers that's right every wednesday we do i do the defcon levels remember 1 through 5 1 is you need to get your wife and kids and get the heck out of town things are going sideways and then there's 5 which is everything's fine nothing to be concerned with so let's go over these we do it by position i even say where it's trending the levels is it up is it down is it staying the same let's start on offense let's start with the quarterback Everyone has been tweeting at me and saying I need to be more critical of Kenny Pickett. Okay, sure. I have it going to a three. It was a four last week, so it's down one. The, the, the turnovers, the interceptions just can't happen. It's It can't happen. Not just the number, not just the quantity, but when they happen. I talk about that with penalties all the time. When I say, hey, you know, it's not just about how many penalties and yards, it's when the penalties occur. Same with Turnovers. If you turn it over four times and two of them were, you know, passes that were more like punts, you can get away with that. You can get away with that. But when you have in the fourth quarter in the final two minutes, or I'm sorry, final four minutes of the game, that's bad. So they go down one, the quarterbacks do. They are at a three. Running backs, they go down a notch as well. Najee Harris it uh, just doesn't look right. I listened to Jeffrey Benedict's podcast on Tuesday the cutting room floor, and he talked about how if if Najee Harris truly isn't 100% healthy, the Steelers should consider putting him on injured reserve and just sitting him and, and having other running backs take over. Why? Because what's the use of putting this unnecessary wear and tear on his body if he isn't right? He doesn't look right. So hopefully he gets back to good Jalen Warren, but the reason ultimately why this has gone down, one on the DEFCON scale is based on the fact that They're just not running the ball enough that I'm happy with what I'm seeing. And maybe that's because they don't trust the running game. Maybe they don't trust the offensive line. We'll talk about them in a second. For me, I want to see more production out of the running backs when they get the opportunities, so it's down to a three. The pass catchers, wide receivers and tight ends, they don't move an inch. Fours. You can talk about Deontay Johnson. You can talk about Chase Claypool tripping and falling a lot. You can talk about... um, George Pickens, who plays, seems like he plays great all the time. I like this group. I would love to see Connor Hayward get some more opportunities over a Zach Gentry. I understand Gentry has his role blocking tight end. I just think this young guy, meaning Connor Hayward, provides a different spark. Love to see more from him, but they're still at a four. The offensive line was down to a three last week after Tampa Bay's and Kevin Dotson's really bad game. I have him up one to a four. They had a great I thought they had a really good game against Miami, and they're trending in the right direction. So I have them up one to a four. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. The defensive line had them at a three last week. They went up one to a four. I love the consistency I'm seeing from players like Larry, Larry O, whatever you want to call him, Larry O Gujobi. Cam Hayward seems to be healthy, back to his normal ways. You're even getting good contributions from someone like Chris Wormley. Uh, Isaiah Loudermilk has been a a positive influence on that defensive front with DeMarvin Leal on injured reserve. I like what I'm seeing there. They're up one to a four. Inside linebacker doesn't change. I'm going to talk about the inside linebackers here in a second. But the inside linebackers are at a four. They don't change. I've been pleasantly surprised from the inside linebackers. Outside linebacker stays the same at a two. I've been saying it all season or basically since week one was over and T.J. Watt was put on I.R., it, there's just no one. I know that Alex Highsmith. If he's not at the lead in the NFL with sacks anymore, he's near the top. It's just it's just not enough. The outside linebackers are just they're just not there. And then defensive backs, I have this staying at a three. I have it staying at a three. Just catch the football. <laughs> I hate to say it. You just got to catch the football. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I know you play defense. I know that that's not your primary job, but it's part of the job description. Catch the freaking football. Make the interceptions when they come. If they would have had two interceptions, this would have definitely gone up to a four. If they didn't, it stays at three. Special team stays at four. I, I, I've been happy with Chris Boswell. He seems to recover from some of those early misses, whether it extra points or field goals. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think about punting. It's just not consistent enough. I would love nothing more than special teams to be a five. For special teams to be the one area on this team that you just don't have to worry about. Return man, whether it's Sims, Olszewski, Austin the third, whoever they have back there, they're not fumbling the ball. They're taking care of the ball. They're getting good returns. The kicking units aren't giving up big returns. They're baking their kicks. That's what I want. But right now, there are four. So there's your DEFCON levels for week seven, heading into week eight. The Pittsburgh Steelers have that tough task of the Philadelphia Eagles, the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles coming up in Philly in week eight. So here we go. Steelers are two and five. Philadelphia Eagles are six and zero. Oh. They're coming off their bye week. And if you paid attention to social media, I don't care if it's the cesspool that's Facebook, the degenerates on Twitter, which I'm one of, Instagram, I'm sure TikTok, I don't have TikTok, but I'm sure TikTok is is talking about it as well. And that's just how bad the Steelers are and how Tomlin should go and Canada needs fired and Rooney needs to sell the team. I haven't heard that as much because it it, is just so negative. It is so, so negative. I'm not going to use that... Toxic, You know, toxic is a word that everyone uses now. You know, there's all these words that kind of come in and out of of popularity and toxic. Oh, they're so toxic. Um, For me, I I honestly, it's just so negative that I thought to myself, Jeff, if I was listening to podcasts, and I do listen to all of our podcasts. I recommend that you listen to all of our podcasts. If I were just listening to our podcasts, and I have been, I, I don't know if I would want to continue to listen to them. I, I, yeah, I can't believe I just said that. Everything is just so negative. Everything is just so down in the dumps. And I said, you know what, Jeff? So w- what would be refreshing if you were just listening to a podcast and you want to hear something? You What would be refreshing right now is some positivity. Some positivity. By nature, I am a very positive guy. It goes back to like the mid-90s, late-90s, early-2000s. I'd be sitting there watching a game with my dad. My brother would be there probably. My other family and friends would be there watching the game. And the Steelers would be losing the game. And they'd say, this game's over. It's fourth quarter, maybe 10 minutes left. Steelers are trailing by, let's say, 17 points. And I was the one that said, no, 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 no. They can come back. The Steelers might have done nothing positive offensively, but in my head and in my heart, something would tell me, there's a chance. Did they win the game? No, they didn't win the game. But I'm an optimistic person. I have always been that guy that says there's there's a way. There's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. And for me, I've always been the eternal optimist, especially when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's time for some positivity. Look, if you want the negativity, if you want to be... If you want to have that negativity just surging through your speakers or through your your earphones, whatever you're listening to, then go to another podcast on our on our platform that talks about how the team isn't good. I'm just I want to talk about things that the team is doing well right now because I think that there's value in that. Remember, folks, I've said this for the entire season that this is a two to three year rebuild and this is year number one. I'll say that again. It's a two- to three-year rebuild, and this is year number one. So with that being said, you need to start looking at some of the positive things that are happening right now, some positive things that could have benefits down the road. Yes, I understand that it sucks when this team loses, and it sucks when they lose games like they did on Sunday night, and it sucks when they're 2-5, and but it doesn't mean that everything is just god-awful and horrible. It doesn't mean that everyone should be fired. It doesn't mean that drastic changes need to necessarily happen. Should some change happen? Absolutely. Should drastic changes happen? No, probably not. So what I wanted to do is I thought of five players on offense, and of the five things, we'll put it that way, because some of these are groups that I thought have been positive outcomes so far throughout the first seven games of the regular season. And then I did the same on defense. So let's talk about some positivity here, people. Some people that are playing good football despite the team's overall record. I'm going to start on offense. We always start on offense just the way it is, and I'm starting with George Pickens. George Pickens, I mean, this guy, as a rookie, is coming in. He has 26 receptions, which is fourth on the team. He's not far from the top, though, just so you know. I mean, he's only two behind... Fryermuth and Claypool of 28. He's 26 receptions, 338 yards receiving. All right, so 338 yards receiving. So I hate to tell you all this, but that's leading the team in yardage. That 338 yards is one yard more than Deontay Johnson. He's averaging 13 yards a catch. He's had 40 targets. Deontay Johnson's had almost 70 targets. And George Pickens has more yards. George Pickens has been a really big, bright spot for the Steelers this year. Everyone always said the same thing. Well, the Steelers receivers, they know how to draft them, but they don't come in right away and make an impact. you got to give them time. This kid's come in and made an impact right away. So George Pickens is is definitely a positive for the Steelers. So is Pat Fryermuth, second-year tight end. Yes, he missed a game with a concussion – But he has 28 receptions, that's tied for second. 310 yards, okay, so that's third. He has an 11 yard average, and he's had 41 targets. Pickens and Fryermuth are some of the most efficient receivers the Steelers have right now. Jeffrey Benedict spoke about that on his Cutting Room Floor podcast, highly recommended. But Pat Fryermuth is developing into something that he wasn't last year. Not just an option, he's a threat. There's a difference here, folks. He's turning into a threat. If Pickens can be the outside threat, then Pat Fryermuth could be a threat on the inside, in the interior, in the middle of the field, if the Steelers choose to use it. That they haven't seen since Heath Miller was here. And he's turning into a pretty good blocker too, so keep that in mind. So Pat Friermuth is a really good positive for this team. How about the offensive line? Think back to the preseason. Think back to the film of James Daniels watching a guy run right by him, whiffing on a block. Think back to watching Dan Moore look like a turnstile. Chooks playing okay, but just meh. Think about Mason Cole, Kevin Dotson. These Guys, this group of men have turned into a pretty good offensive line. And it's not just that they're good. They're not great. They're not fantastic. They're not top tier. But they're good. When you think about the issues on the offense, does anyone think about the offensive line right away? You did before the season started, but do you do you right now? I don't. I love the way this is. they're heading. Mason Cole has been a very big – he's been a pleasant surprise – James Daniels has been playing great. Chooks is, I think he's earning his money. You may disagree, but Dan Moore is a little bit questionable. Kevin Dotson has been questionable times, but they're putting it together. Kevin Dotson's coming off, I think, one of his best games in a long time against Miami. He was flattening dudes out there. Kudos to the offensive line. If this group continues on this trajectory, then we'll be talking about a great offensive line next year. It is possible. Next is Jalen Warren. He's an undrafted rookie. 23 carries for 103 yards, a 4.5-yard average. He has nine catches for 63 yards, a 7-yard average. And not to mention, he's the short yardage guy, or he should be. They they used Najee Harris on Sunday night, when probably should have been Jalen Warren, but they didn't want to substitute. I get it. Jalen Warren's been their short yardage guy. He's also been their third down guy. His blitz pickups have been noticeable. He's very good in that regard. He is a very good all around back. Everyone said what coming into the season. They wanted a back that could be, that could lighten the load of Najee Harris. There you go, folks. Jalen Warren. There he is. He's a huge positive and moving forward as well. And the last one, I'm going to get ripped by some people. That's fine. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's a positive. 87, 87 completions on 127 attempts, 771 yards, a 6.1 average. Yes, the touchdown interception ratio is not good. Two touchdowns, seven interceptions. He has two rushing touchdowns, only been sacked six times for a 66.7 rating. The rating needs to improve, but you can't tell me that there haven't been positives with Kenny Pickett's game. Has everything been positive? No, but there are some tremendous positives in Kenny Pickett's game. I think about that throw down the seam to Pat Fryermuth on fourth down against Miami on Sunday Night Football. Those are the little glimmers, the glimmers of hope that we have as a Steelers fan base that Kenny Pickett can be that guy. I said it before. I'll say it again. He needs that moment. But we do get those glimmers of hope. So those are the offensive positives. There could have been more. That's what I went with. Let's go to defense. I'm going to start off with a pair, a duo. Actually, the first three are duos. Devin Bush, Miles Jack. Devin Bush has just been beaten to death by the fan base. He has 42 combined tackles. Miles Jack, 68 tackles. That's 110 combined tackles. They're one and two on the defensive tackle list. It's the way it should be. And he's starting to play the way that we got used to seeing him play in 2019 as a rookie in 2020 before he tore his knee up. It's great to see. I'm not saying that I think he's going to be back next year. I'm not saying that I want him back next year. I'm just saying that he is improving, and that's notable, and it's positive. Miles Jack as a free agent acquisition is everything that he was, that everyone talked him up to be, and then some. These two guys are great in the middle. If they could just figure out how to keep him on the field and not have Robert Splane on the field as much— Maybe that'll happen when the safeties come back, meaning Devontae KZ, but ultimately I would, I love the way they're, they're trending. The next duo is Minka and Terrell Edmonds, Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds. These guys have eight combined pass defenses, 67 combined tackles, three interceptions, all from Minka Fitzpatrick. But these two, this duo, man, when you see them playing together, it's you, at least I do. I can't say you, me. I believe that Terrell Edmonds should get a new contract at the end of the season, He's played well. When he's been available, he has played well. Do not forget he was the lone leader against Tampa Bay in Week 6, and he made a lot of plays, and he made a lot of plays on against Miami as well. Yes, he can't catch the football. He's not alone, but he brings more to the table than that. Keep that in mind too. Larry O and Cam Hayward are the next ones. They have 58 combined tackles. Two and a half combined sacks, six tackles for losses, and 12 quarterback hits from the two of them. No, Larry is not Stefan to it, but he is doing a great job, and I feel like he's getting healthier as the season progresses. That foot injury, maybe it's starting to ease up a little bit. I don't know, but I love the way they're trending. The last two are individual players, James Pierre. He's just proving to be quality depth. We myself included, other people on our podcast network, bemoan the depth at cornerback. James Spear has been a bright spot, and I love to see it. And then lastly, DeMarvin Leal. I know he's on IR, but he has nine tackles, one tackle for loss, three pass defenses. He has shown some tremendous upside in his game. So when we talk about what what does the future look like for that defensive front, you know, you still have Cam Hayward, but you've got DeMarvin Leal. You've got Isaiah Loudermilk. I kind of like that young group to maybe be the next group if they can just add a few more pieces this offseason. All right, a little positivity there, folks. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed that I do. We're gonna dive head first into the mailbag. We're running long. Hope you're okay. Buckle up, baby. We'll be right back after this break with the mailbag session. Welcome back to the second half of the Wednesday Let's Ride podcast, which means it is time for the mailbag segment. You know how it works. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I put out a tweet every Tuesday morning. You respond. I answer your questions. Let this get this show on the road. Chris Haney. That's right. My cousin, Chris. He said, where do you start? I don't know where to start, Chris. To be completely honest with you, I think you just have to start with the positives, like I just talked about. Start with the positives, build off of that. Anyone can sit there and nitpick negatives and say what the, what isn't right, but dude, focus on the positive. That's my that's my uh, mo right there. Tank has several questions. First, do you think since the run the run they run the same seven plays on offense, they can make gadget plays from them? Jet sweep pass halfback outside toss pass I formation I mean give me Pickens outside with 22 personnel yeah I think you can build off of those plays and they're getting to a stretch where you know you always heard about those dangerous teams that could just you know watch out for the fake punt they can get you with that they're turning into that team maybe you do have a halfback pass or maybe you do have something like that build off of that good question Tank also asks, why can't the Steelers game plan against their own game plan the plays are predictable so they can make the game plan and Tomlin say, okay, now do the exact opposite, pass, pass, run, touchdown. (laughs) I like that theory, but at the same time, it's got to work with the personnel as well, so keep that in mind. Last one from Tank. What's the over-under on dropped interceptions this weekend? Three and a half, give me the over. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. We'll talk about what needs to happen for the Steelers to pull off a crazy upset in Philly on Friday. Eric Askew said, if Muth and Gentry made a buddy movie – what would it be about, and what current Steeler would make a cameo appearance? I think that it would be hysterical to put Zach Gentry and Pat Fryermuth in a in like a Winnebago and just have them in the off season driving across the country and video it. Have them talking. Have them go find random Steeler bars and just have them walk in, and and it would just be great. And this is probably alluding to, I I shared the video from the Steelers official account where they went to a haunted house and they were like grabbing each other like they were in high school. It was hysterical. Go check it out. Minka Fitzpatrick, Levi Wallace, and Trell Edmonds, they were all in costume and they scared them. Really good stuff. Justin Pinkster asks, will the Steelers offense score more than 30 points this year? And he also adds that the defense and special teams don't count. I think they will. I don't know when it'll happen. You know, I'm thinking about teams that give up a lot of points. We'll see. I do think they will score 30 points this year, though, to answer your question. Will Caldwell asked a couple. He said, can we cool it with the let the Kenny, let Kenny cook and run the ball with our running backs more? They had less than 20 touches. Meanwhile, KPA threw 44 times. The stat line looks like Roethlisberger's last year. We have an un- undrafted rookie free agent and a first-round running back that should be the focal point. The run game has looked better. I agree with you. I've been saying balance for what seems like the last 15 years, but really this season, you just want to be more balanced. But if they're going to load the box, you have to throw the football. And this is where it comes down to sometimes you have to throw the ball to open up the run. And that also alludes to what Tang said earlier with let's flip the script a little bit and let's throw the ball to open the run. It's going to be really interesting to see if the Steelers ever do get to that point. Uh, the let Kenny cook. I mean, everyone wants to compare stuff. I talked about it on Monday. Let's do all the comparison talk. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't throwing the ball 44 times as a rookie. Just saying. Will Caldwell also asked if Canada is fired. What about Eric B enemy for the offensive coordinator job? I think it's plausible. If he doesn't get a head coaching job this year, he obviously doesn't want to stay an offensive coordinator for his entire career, but credit's been taken away from him. If he were to turn things around in Pittsburgh, that would make a case for head coach. So, yeah, I mean, Andy Reid also has his fingerprints all over that Kansas City offense. Maybe he wants a fresh start. I don't know if that's the best fit for Kenny Pickett. And this is what changes now, folks. you got to find someone that fits what Kenny Pickett likes and wants to do. So it's going to be an interesting search if they go down that route. Tank asks another one. Why is Steelers Twitter so toxic? Or maybe just the fan base in general. Two and a half games in, and people are ready to get a new quarterback. I love the team, but hate our fans, not the BTSC family. Is that bad? You know, i got to be honest, Tank. And I spend a lot of time on Twitter because it's part of the job. And if I'm trying to build my show, if I'm trying to build our network, I've got to be here, and I've got to be someone that responds to fans that listen. And so I he, I see it every day. Every day. The one thing I always say, and it helps me get through this, I've said it on the show before, is that everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but that doesn't mean that I have to agree with you. And to add on to that, it doesn't mean that I have to tell you that you are wrong. It doesn't mean that I have to get in your mentions and say how stupid you are or that thought is, because it's your thought, it's, it's not mine. So if you're finding Steelers Twitter to be too much, the first step is just don't go on Twitter. If you want to go on Twitter, though, just remember, everyone from Andrew Filippone and his crazy Kenny Pickett talk down to Mark Madden and his talk. Just let it go. It's just not worth the heartache or the time. Trust me. Brian Haynes. He says only one this week, but he asked more than one. He said, what will it take to get out of our own way on game day? The Steelers have more self-inflicted wounds with penalties, bad reads and drop balls, receivers and DBs. than we have issues with the opposing team. Yeah. It, they, they are a fragile team. I've said that before. This is a fragile team. They cannot expect to go through these games and just be able to – I cannot get – the one thing I can't get out of my head about the Miami game, and it's not the defensive players dropping passes. It's the third and one down in the red zone. Kenny Pickett surges forward for a first down on a QB sneak. Miles Boykin's behind him. And 4 moved at the same time, and they get flagged for an illegal motion penalty. So now it's third and six, still manageable. They've they've converted on those already in that drive, and then they get flagged for D uh, for holding, and it goes to third and sixteen. Those are the things that that just has stuck with me this entire time. From third and one to third and sixteen, it just can't happen. It can't happen. AFL sixty six. He said since they probably won't fire Matt Canada midseason, who do you think on the Steelers coaching staff can at least help him change his scheme and play calling not including Mike Tomlin? I think you would lean on someone like Mike Sullivan, the quarterbacks coach, maybe a Frisman Jackson as a running backs coach, as a wide receiver coach, Eddie Faulkner as a running back coach. I don't know. That's a really great question, and that's one of the things that has had a lot of people struggle with. Is everyone wants Matt Canada fired, but who takes his place? No one knows. No one knows. So that might be one of the reasons why Matt Canada sticks around at least for this season. Tendercat asks, "Why do the Steelers always hire within the organization? Obviously, it hasn't been working. It's like they can't help themselves. I can't believe I'm saying this. Dare I say, can some of this stuff be put on Art Rooney? Like, step up and make some changes. What is there to lose?" So, TenderCat, this is a this is a thing where you just don't know how Art Rooney runs things. Now, you you kind of get a feel for what Dan Rooney did based on the fact that a lot of people, like, for instance, I've, I've referenced the Bill Cowher book that I'm reading. You know, there's a great story Bill Cowher talked about, about Dan Rooney. This was very telling to me, and I don't know if his son Art is doing this type of stuff, but Bill Cowher went into Dan Rooney's office, and this was about Merrill Hodge, Merrill Hodge was a free agent, and he said, I want to bring him back. He's a team leader. He's a good player. I want him to stay in Pittsburgh. And Dan Rooney said, Bill, I'm sorry. It's just not going to work out. Turns out Merrill Hodge's agent had tried to change something in a contract. They were going to keep him, but he ended up, the agent ended up doing something that Dan Rooney felt very, very strongly about. And Cowher kind of pressed him on it. Dan Rooney got up very professionally, closed his office door, and said, don't ever tell me how to spend my money again. Straight up. Don't ever tell me how to spend my money again. And Bill Cowher said he left that meeting saying, "Okay, I've been. I, I stand corrected. I don't know if Art's doing that. You know, maybe he's letting Mike Tomlin just kind of run it his way. I don't know. We don't know those. We we don't know because we don't know the inside what's going on inside that building. We don't know whose fingerprints are all over the place. We we know that Art Rooney says I want to run the ball better, but we don't know how it looks. We don't know all that stuff. So that's a difficult question to answer, Doc M." He said, or Southside Doc, at what point in the season do rookie mistakes become problems that need to be addressed as concerns? To me, rookie mistakes, and I, I'm assuming you're talking about Kenny Pickett here. It's, did do you learn from those mistakes? It's not so much a quantity thing. It is, so Kenny Pickett has been in crunch time before. The, the, the fourth quarter against Miami, though, is different. And the interceptions that he threw were different. You think about the Jets game, you know, they were deflections off receivers' hands, not that they were great throws, but they were deflections. And a lot of people, including Kenny Pickett himself, might say, well, that's it's a little different. But against Miami, those were throws that he was fooled. The last two interceptions, he was fooled. And yeah, could have been a miscommunication with Deontay Johnson on the final one, whatever. He can't make those mistakes. So the question is, does he make that mistake again? Did he learn from those? I've already seen some maturation. You've seen Kenny Pickett throw the ball away more than just trying to keep it, or like doing the Mitch Trubisky running and with the sack. He he has learned from that. So let's see if he improves. That's the for me. Brian Haynes asked another one. I was wrong. One more. So the coaches hate George Pickens. He catches the touchdown, then isn't really target again. I know he has Xavier uh, Howard on him, but give him a shot again. Some of the media members, they love to say things like, just throw it to him, just throw it to him. Yeah, that's easier said than done, folks. If Kenny Pickett's looking at Xavier Howard, who's their best defender, probably the best defender, at least their best cornerback, he's blanketing George Pickens, and he has safety help rolled over the top, do you want Kenny Pickett to throw into double coverage and get picked off and then have everyone else go berserk? Guess who he was targeting, though? George Pickens. No, you take the matchup you like. You just hope that player, Chase Claypool, Pat um, uh, Deontay Johnson, they have to win their matchup. Amendez asks, odds that Canada's fired after the Philly game. Is Mike Sullivan a viable replacement for the rest of the season? Uh, the odds are not good. I think he stays. And I don't know. I'm going to take Jeffrey Benedict's word on this. He said that Mike Sullivan was not good as a coordinator. He knows better than I do. Andres says, it seems that every team, the Steelers play schemes to attack our defense in the middle of the field, and it is always wide open. Do you feel this is a coaching problem or talent or both? I just don't understand why they don't adjust. I think they did adjust against Miami. I mean, you watch that game. They weren't picking them apart in the middle the entire game. The second half, the Steelers did adjust. They adjusted. They made adjustments with the depth of Devin Bush, bringing players down to the box. I think it will change when they get more athleticism like a DeMonte KZ back, but they did adjust. Let's give them credit where it's due. Let's not look at these things through our with our blinders on. Aaron Cummins said... It continues to be infuriating that Tomlin says things like change, changes to coaching or personnel, then does nothing following the Buffalo game. And now he's open to changes on offense, but will do nothing because he doesn't feel he's there yet. What will it take for that to change? Well, Aaron, the the answer for me is what change do you want him to make? Do you want him just to change, just to change? Remember, this is about the future here. So people that wanna people that want him to go back to Mitch Trubisky, I say the same thing. Why? Why now? It's you're two and five. You're two and five. You're probably not going to make the playoffs. If you do, are you really going to win a Super Bowl? I mean, it'd be fantastic if they do, but the odds are against you. So why would you go back to Mitch Trubisky? You want to see what you have in your rookie quarterback. You need to see if this guy is the guy. So you give him every opportunity. Well, what change do you want to see? Najee Harris sit and Jalen Warren play more. I mean, he's playing a lot already. You're not going to fire the coordinator in the middle of the season. It's just, if they do that, I'll be stunned. I will be stunned if they if they fire Matt Canada. They could. I can't tell you the last time it's happened, but they could. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just don't think pe- people just want Mike Tomlin to get up there and just to change, just to change, and that's just not how he does it. And I'm glad they don't. I'm glad they don't. Because you see all these players that, like a James Pierre, perfect example. If, if everyone just said he changed just to change – James Pierre would have been kicked off the team last season, but he's not, and he played well. He's playing well. Keep that in mind, folks. Let's let's keep it. Let's keep a good perspective on this. Jeff Kuhn said, "Okay, Jeff with a J, I have one." Many people are calling for Matt Canada to be fired after one and a half years of poor offense. If a change hat was to be made during the season, presumably at the bye week, who is the logical candidate to fill the OC role? That again, I would probably go with Matt. I would probably go with Mike Sullivan, not the Penguins coach, the quarterback coach. And then Jeff continues and I sheepishly admit that I am a Steelers fan from Canada. But given our current team leadership on the offensive side of the ball, I'm petitioning the prime minister to give our country a new name. <laughs> That's good stuff, Jeff. Uh, yeah, so th- everyone's been fired, I just don't think it's going to happen. King Tibbs asks, "What's your opinion on Najee?" I know he has had some struggles this year, but come on, man. Dude's only in year 2 has an average line in an offense that struggled his entire tenure, and he's not even being fully utilized in the past game, I say give the man a break. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we don't know if he's truly hurt. This could be a situation, in my opinion, where you see in the offseason Najee Harris has surgery. This happens all the time. The players are healthy enough that they don't need to be on the injury report because they're not missing practice, and then all of a sudden it gets released that in the offseason, Najee Harris had a knee surgery to clean up a knee injury he dealt with all season. I remember Mike Mitchell, the safety, he had a groin injury in training camp one time, and I said, these things can linger, and I got ripped to shreds on the website. You're stupid, that's not going to linger. At the end of the season, had to have surgery on his groin. Turned out he had uh, tore his groin muscle. So yeah, this stuff happens. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the case. I'm not down on. I'm not as down on Najee as some people are. Tendercat asked the other one. Jeff, is we the Steeler fan base are so quick to give up on Kenny? Not me. Not me either. He hasn't played half a season, and people expect him to be Josh Allen. I mean, what are we doing? If he doesn't throw those picks, he has nothing to learn from. Disappointed? Yes. Giving up? Heck no. I was explaining this to my 11 year old daughter. I got home from work. I said, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. And she said, can I go with you? And I said, absolutely, you can. I never pass up those opportunities with my children. And she was talking to me about the Steelers, and she's learning about the Steelers this season more than she ever has. And she's, she said, so is, how, did, how did the Steelers do on Sunday night? She didn't stay up for the whole game. And I said, well, they lost. I said, Kenny didn't play too great down the stretch. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, he, he threw two interceptions at really inopportune times. And she said, well, what is an interception? I said, that's when you throw it and the other team catches it. She goes, okay. She goes, does that mean that they're going to go back to Ms. Trubisky? And I said, probably not. I said, they got to see what they have with Kenny Pickett. And she said, well, okay, well, next year are they going to get a new quarterback? I said, no, they need to find out what they have with this guy. They're going to give him the rest of the season and probably next season and maybe even the year after that, as long as he's continuing to improve. And so by listening to me answer her questions, I then realized where we as fans should be with our patient level with People like Kenny Pickett, people like George Pickens, people like Connor Hayward, heck, even second-year players and third-year players. It takes time to develop sometimes, and the Steelers need to show some patience. So no, I'm not a knee-jerk reaction guy. It's going to take time. I don't give up on Kenny Pickett. I wouldn't give up on Kenny Pickett at all. Is he the answer? We don't know. I hope so. I hope so, not because I I like Kenny Pickett. I, I, I say I hope so because then the Steelers have their next quarterback for the next 15 years plus. That's why I hope so. Not because I have some personal interest in this. My personal interest is the Steelers' success. And if they can find their next quarterback and that's him, that's fantastic. That's what we should be rooting for. All right. There was the mailbag segment. Good job today, all the rider die crew that participated. Thank you very much. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your help with this Wednesday segment. I will be back on Friday. You know the drill. I hope to have Jerome Betts back on. Uh, I'm going to have my DraftKings Sportsbook parlay. I was so close last week, folks. I was so close that the Steelers would have just scored 20 points. 20 points I would have got it. I had the 50 yards with Najee Harris. I had uh, the Steelers plus 7.5 if you went with that, or 7. I had the the, the, the Dolphins under 25 and a half. Man, I'm so close. I'm getting better. I'm getting better, so make sure you tune in. In the meantime, you know how we finished it out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. See you on Friday. Good to see you. My candles burning bright. I sleep for three to four hours every night. My sipping coffee burning all to the morning.